We welcome into the program Ryan Dunleavy from the uh, New York Post. Ryan, good morning, man. We appreciate your time today. Hey, thanks for having me. Let's. I, I want to kind of backtrack just a little bit before we talk about the draft. Jason Garrett as the OC. Why didn't that work in New York? I mean, it was a poor fit from the beginning. Jason Garrett's offensive. Anybody out there knows is a little outdated for today's NFL. It certainly was not what uh, Joe Judge envisioned his offense being. Uh, it was a you know it was an arranged marriage that Jason Garrett's well respected with the Giants by ownership from his time here as a player. Joe Judge's first choice as an OC was, ironically enough, his successor as head coach, Brian Dayball. He couldn't lure him from Buffalo. Uh, he comes from the Patriots tree. It, what's missing from the Patriots tree? Offensive coordinators. These guys, Matt Patricia, uh, all these Patriots coaches who go on and become head coaches, they never can find an OC because – that job's gone to Charlie Weiss or Bill O'Brien or Josh McDaniels for 25 years. So they really don't have an OC. So when Dave all couldn't come, uh, Jason Garrett from Giants ownership became the choice. And it was just a, it was doomed from the start. When Thursday comes around, what is the most important place on the field that the Giants have to secure through the draft? You know that like uh, meme where like Spider Man's pointing at each other. I could, I could say offensive tackle, and then like another me could say edge, and then another me could say cornerback. Like the Giants are so uh, weak at so many positions. There's such a such a depleted roster that you could make a really strong argument. Tight end, you can make a really strong argument for so many. I'll go offensive line. For 10 years, it's been a problem for the Giants that they haven't been able to fix. It's the reason they won those two Super Bowls back with Eli, and it's the reason they've been the worst team in the NFL for the last five years. So I'll say offensive line is problem number one. So you got two picks in the top 10. What are the odds of those actually hitting in, in both of the, the people they select working out and panning out for the organization? Great question. Uh so I went back and look, history is never a perfect indicator, but I went back and I looked and seven times since 1990 have a t has a team had two picks in the top 10 and both New York teams have it this year. Number eight, number nine are the Jets and the Giants seven times since 1990. And so that's 14 players for those seven teams. Seven of them have made pro bowls. Two of them won major awards. Two of them are in the hall of fame. So I would say it's about 50-50. I'd say if you get one great player, like one franchise icon type player, the second pick is almost house money. Like if you hit one of the two in a big way, then I think you're really happy. And that's just the way, I mean, I'm Giants fans will get greedy. They'll tell you we want two. That's very, very rare. The Seahawks are really the only team. They got Walter Jones, a Hall of Famer, and Sean Springs, a really good 14-year NFL player who made Pro Bowls with their third and sixth picks in 97. They're really the only team that hit it big twice. Uh, if you hit it big once and get a good contributor as the second player, I think that's a home run. What is the situation with Kadarius Toney? I mean, why, why is he unhappy? Second-year guy. Uh, I don't know that he's unhappy. They're unhappy. The Giants are unhappy. Look, Kadarius Toney has done any everything he possibly can not to practice since he got to the Giants. 
his first day, he couldn't find the right size shoe and missed practice. And then he had six different injuries. Uh, you guys probably have a slanted opinion of him because his best game as a rookie was against the Cowboys. And it was like, wow, look at this guy. And then he punched somebody and uh, got ejected from that game, got injured in that game. Uh, six, Like I said, six different injury parts. He skipped every last year as a rookie. He skipped voluntary workouts because of a contract dispute. Rookies never have contract disputes. And now this year he's, you know, taking advantage of the voluntary and the voluntary workouts, even though almost every veteran is there because they understand a new coach, a new playbook. KT hasn't even picked up his playbook yet. So I don't know that he's unhappy, but they're certainly un- unhappy with his uh, commitment to football. Is, is he a giant in September? I would say yes, because they are, like I said, they have so few weapons. They have so few playmakers, and it's just so risky to trade a guy after one year of his rookie contract. You're not going to get a first-round pick. I doubt you'd get a second-round pick. Maybe you get a third-round pick. The only way I see he's traded, honestly, is if they're trying to trade, they are trying to trade James Bradbury. They're desperate to trade James Bradbury to save $12 million in salary cap. Teams know that. They know the Giants have no leverage. If you packaged Kadarius Tony with James Bradbury, I think you could get a much better return than you would for Bradbury straight up. So you get, regain some of your leverage by putting them together. Uh, so I think if you did that, then I could see Kadarius Tony get traded. And then all of a sudden you end up with a second and a third or two thirds rather than dumping Pro Bowler James Bradbury for a seventh. How much tread is left on the tires of Barkley and can he stay healthy? Uh, you're talking to somebody who believes a lot. Uh, now, he, whether he can stay healthy, I don't know. I mean, those are, you know, running backs obviously have a difficult time staying healthy. Injured guys get injured. I, mean, I believe that. Uh, last year, obviously, the injury against the Cowboys was a bit of a freak injury. He stepped on a player's foot going across the middle. That's not a wear and tear injury. That's a that's a freak injury. But you're you're talking to somebody who, if he can stay healthy, I believe he can be a top three running back again. I mean, he's just, yeah, I mean, he's obviously got all the talent in the world. He's got the vision. He's got the cutbacks. I think he still has the speed. He just has to stay healthy. And if he can, I think he'll be a top three player. And they'll actually have quite a dilemma next year if he has a 1,400-yard from scrimmage season. What do we do with him now because he's a free agent? With nine picks heading into the draft, do you see New York getting in a situation where they trade some of those or they put a package together and try to move up, or do you think they'll just sit out idle and let the the picks come to them? Their ideal situation is to trade either five or seven, not both, trade back either five or seven for a first-rounder this year plus a first-rounder next year. So, like, say they drop from five to 16, I think it is, or 17 with the Saints. Uh, that would cost the Saints number 17 this year plus a first-rounder in the future. Now, the Saints don't have their first-rounder in the future because they gave it to the Eagles. I'm just using that as an example. So say it's the Steelers want to move up for a quarterback. They drop from 7 to 20. So the Giants get 20 this year and the Steelers number one next year. That's the ideal situation for the Giants is to come away with an extra 2023 first-round pick in case Daniel Jones flops this year and they need two firsts next year to make a play for a quarterback. Knowing what you what we all know about the NFC East and, and coming off the 4-13, and 13, what is a realistic 
realistic run for the Giants in in, in 2022? An optimistic uh, run or like a realistic? Realistic, run? yeah. I think they're four and thirteen again. I mean, I I it's the I've been covering the Giants for five years. They're at a twenty two and fifty nine in that five years, and this is the worst roster at this point in the season. Before the two first round picks, before any players are added over the summer this is the worst late april roster they've had in my five years and they're 22 and 59 in those five years so i would tell you they're probably four and 13 uh again i mean they're the they don't have a pass rush the offensive line's weak they're gonna trade bradbury so they're not gonna have a great pass defense look you can say as giants fans will well they have to be better just because the coaching is better well that's what people said to me two years ago when they fired pat Shermer and replaced and with Joe Judge and Patrick Graham and that and Jason Garrett and that staff, coaching only goes you so far. Players win games, and the Giants don't have a lot of great players. At some point, do they just need to settle on a coach and, and let them get their feet in, in, in a situation where they're not shuffling or not stepping on hot coals the whole time, and and try to get some stability in that position instead of you know pulling the trigger every two years on a coach. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Look, I'm, you're talking to somebody who didn't think Joe Judge and his staff deserved to be fired. I mean, Joe Judge was clearly told he would have uh, rope here to build it for the long term, and then they fired, they pulled the rug out from under him. Daniel Jones was hurt. Uh, so the last six games when the offense was abysmal, you didn't have your starting quarterback. Uh, there was no – you know, for all the New York media market is vicious – there was no real pressure here to fire him because everybody understood the situation. The national, you know, the national programs are the ones who were call, mocking the Giants, calling for him to be fired, and the pressure got big and the fans turned and he got fired. But I didn't think Joe Judge deserved to be fired. Yes, I think that they deserve to stick with that. They need to stick with the head coach. But more importantly, guys, Joe Shane is willing to take his lumps as long as, like I said, he's. He's been told that he gets a long rope. Well, Joe Judge was told he got one. It didn't happen. But Judge is taking the – I mean, uh, Shane is taking the Giants at their word that he gets a long rope. He's going to build it for the long term. He's going to take the lumps. Gettleman never did that. Gettleman was always trying to glue it together, whether it was for the last couple of years of Eli Manning, we got to make a push, or whether it was after going 6-10 and 10 and almost winning the division – two years ago thinking they were close to a playoff spot and spending like crazy last year in free agency. Uh, they were always trying to patch it together. Shane's taking the long road and he realizes you're going to take your lumps this year. In a division full of mediocrity, especially at the quarterback position, and you're talking about Daniel Jones and uh, is he even going to be there after next year? How do you, how would you rank the quarterbacks in this league as we head into 2022? In this division, you mean? Yeah, in the, tw- in the division. Uh, Dak is clear in a way, number one. Um, I would say probably, I, I probably believe in Wentz more than most people because he's played at a high level before. I guess I would say Wentz too. And uh, I would probably put Daniel three and Hurts four, but you could make a case that it's it's Hurts three and Daniel four. Hey, man, uh, Ryan, we, uh, we appreciate your time so much this morning. Great stuff, uh, great input, uh, and, and we, uh, we look forward to visiting with you again soon. Sure, have me anytime, guys. Thanks for it. Talk to you soon. That is uh, Ryan Denleby from the New York Post.